Hello and welcome to this Pensions Lawcast. My name is Jay Fassam and I'm a partner in our pensions team. I'm joined by my colleague Tasmin Patel, who's also in our pension team, and by Laura Hewitt, who's our partner in our funds team. And Laura leads our sustainable finance group here, and she's going to help us later on talking about the impact of global ESG and sustainability policy on asset managers and how trustees and asset managers can work together to meet those requirements. But first of all, by way of background, you may have seen our session last year, which focused on the extent to which trustees can consider non-financial factors in their investment decision making. In this new series, we're going to build on that. We're going to start looking at the expected legislative and regulatory developments and the practical implications of these for pension scheme trustees. In this first session, we're focusing on recent guidance and consultations issued by DWP and Preku. In particular, we're, we're going to consider the new requirements of pension scheme trustees to consider climate-related risks and opportunities and how this will affect their engagement with their appointed asset managers. First of all, I'm going to hand straight over to Tasmin to remind us of the story so far. Thanks, Jay. So first, let's go back to basics. What is ESG investing and why in recent years has it invited so much attention amongst policymakers, financial markets participants and the media? Well, ESG investing is essentially the integration of environmental, social and governance factors into investment processes and decision making. Now, it's clearly gained a lot of public attention in recent years, and that's thanks in part to campaigns like Make My Money Matter, which is backed by the film director Richard Curtis. And that was essentially designed to put pressure on institutional investors like pension funds to take stronger action on social and environmental issues. But the reality is that ESG investing isn't just today's hot topic. It's a concept that financial markets participants have been aware of for some time now. So historically, they've been cautious to fully embrace it. But in recent times, we've seen a shift in attitudes. So issues like climate change have risen higher up the agenda of governments around the, around the world, and that's caused a change in policy attitudes. So recently, we've seen the signing of the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change or the Paris Agreement. And in the UK context, the Chancellor's recently, so in November 2020, outlined new proposals to support sustainable finance and to extend the UK's global leadership in green finance. But why does all this matter for pension scheme trustee? Well, with around three trillion pounds of assets under management, occupational pension schemes represent some of the UK's largest institutional investors. They're a significant part of the UK's financial services infrastructure, and they're responsible for managing and investing a significant portion of the country's economic capital. And because of that, it's perhaps inevitable that policymakers are increasingly looking to encourage pension scheme trustees, as well as insurers and asset managers, to integrate environmental, social and governance factors into their investment approaches. I'll now hand over to Jay, who will talk through some of the recent legislative and regulatory developments that we've seen. Thanks, Tasmin. Yes, over the last couple of years, a number of really important requirements have come into force, which require pension scheme trustees to make disclosures to show how they're integrating ESG considerations into their investment approaches. To recap quickly, from October 2019, trustees had to include additional information in the scheme's statement of investment principles, the SIP, which included their policy on ESG and stewardship. From October last year, 2020, trustees were required to further update their SIP to set out how they're going to encourage their asset managers to align investment approach with the trustee policy. And then at around the same time, in summer 2020, the DWP launched its consultation on the proposals to require trustees of larger occupational pension schemes, master trusts, and also collective divine contribution schemes to have effective governance, strategy and risk management systems in place, particularly focused on how they're going to assess and manage climate related risks. But there's more to come. This regulation is driven by the government policy and the move to deliver the green finance strategy. 
in October last year, David Fares, the pension regulator, the executive director of regulatory policy, recommended that trustees should be building capacity in the area of ESG, so they're better placed to understand what climate-related issues mean for their schemes, and they're better able to make decisions that contribute towards good member outcomes. And we're seeing this reflective in the recent legislative and regulatory initiatives that are coming up this year. The, the regulators and the government are expect trustees to be ready to go on this. And I'm going to hand over to Tasmin now, who's going to talk about what's going to be coming up from now onwards. Thanks, Jay. So what's coming up? Well, a key recent development has been the publication of the DWP's response to its August 2020 consultation, which, as I mentioned, requires pension schemes to report on climate change related risks and opportunities. But before we get into the detail of the consultation itself, it's probably worth taking a quick look at the background to all of this and what's actually driving the government's proposals. So in July 2019, the government published what's called the Green Finance Strategy, which essentially set out the government's expectations for all listed companies and large asset owners to disclose in line with the TCFD recommendations by 2022. It also set out the establishment of something called the Pensions Climate Risk Industry Group, which is an industry group that's, that's been established to develop TCFD guidance for pension scheme trustees. And building on the expectations set out in the Green Finance Strategy, the government amendments were made to the Pension Schemes Bill during its passage through the House of Lords. And the bill's now completed its passage through Parliament and we're waiting for it to receive royal assent. Just um, by way of brief background, it includes powers to make regulations that impose requirements on pension scheme trustees to ensure that there's an effective governance of schemes with respect to the effects of climate change. They, these regulations would also require information relating to the effects of climate change on pension schemes to be published, and the regulations would also be there to ensure compliance with all of the new requirements. Now, broadly speaking, what that will mean is that trustees will be required to make more detailed disclosures about how they tackle climate-related risks and opportunities. So going into more detail on the consultation itself, so on the 26th of August 2020, the DWP consulted on proposals to require pension schemes to report on climate change risks and opportunities in line with the TCFD recommendations. And that consultation closed on the 7th of October 2020. In broad terms, it proposed that trustees of schemes with £5 billion or more in assets under management and all authorised master trusts should have effective governance, strategy, risk management and accompanying metrics and targets for the assessment and management of climate risks and opportunities. And that's from October 2021. They'll also need to report on these in line with the TCFD's recommendations by the end of 2022. And in January this year, the government published its response to the consultation and launched a further consultation on the draft regulations that's designed to implement the proposals. So what, what about the scope? Who would these new proposals apply to? Well, essentially, there'd be a phasing process. So initially, the requirements would only cover schemes with relevant assets of £5 billion or more, but then they'll be rolled out. So they'll then apply to all occupational pension schemes with relevant assets of £1 billion or more. What this means in practice is that all DB, DC and hybrid schemes whose total relevant assets meet the relevant thresholds will be caught. And also DB super funds, pending any permanent authorisation framework, would be treated as normal occupational pension schemes. So they'd be exempt until they reach the relevant thresholds. So one interesting thing to note here is what are relevant assets for these purposes? So essentially, they're defined in the draft regulations as the total of the amount of the net assets of the scheme recorded in the audited accounts for that scheme year, 
less the value of the assets of the scheme represented by any relevant contract of insurance recorded in those accounts. So in short, what that means in practice is that bulk annuity contracts won't be included within the net assets threshold. In terms of timing, how will the rollout work? Well, broadly, schemes with £5 billion or more in relevant assets at the end of the first scheme year, ending on or after the 1st of first March 2020, will be subject to the climate governance requirements from the 1st of October 2021. So in terms of authorised master trusts and collective DC schemes, if they're already authorised on the 1st of October 2021, they'll be subject to the climate governance requirements immediately. But if they're only authorised after the 1st of October 2021, they need to comply with the governance requirements immediately from the date that they've become authorised. Now, the good news for schemes that aren't part of the first wave, but which have one billion or more in assets, if the scheme year ends on or after the 1st of March 2021, is they've essentially got an additional year to prepare. So they'll be subject to the climate governance requirements from one year after the scheme year end date. So before we move on to the more detailed um, description of what the proposals actually are, we just thought we'd touch on the penalties for breach. So essentially, in addition to the pensions regulators fines that could be imposed under the existing legislation, so for breaches of the disclosure regime, the duty to comply with the climate governance and TCFD reporting requirements would fall under the new section 41C of the Pensions Act 1995 regime, which is currently in the Pension Schemes Bill. Now that's modelled on the existing charge and governance regulations penalty regime and it would allow the pensions regulator to issue compliance and penalty notices to trustees and third parties. But crucially, unlike the charges and governance framework, mandatory penalties would be restricted to wholesale non-compliance. So that would be where trustees just haven't published a TCFD report at all. So the regulator wouldn't be obliged necessarily to issue penalty notices for non-material breaches. So I'll now hand over to Jay, who will talk a bit more about the government's proposals in more detail. Thanks very much, Tasmin. Yes, so let's look at some more detail about these new proposals. The August 2020 consultation was lengthy, so we don't propose to go through it in full detail in this session, but we can summarise the, the key themes that come, came out of the, the consultation and response. And those are governance, strategy, scenario analysis, risk management, metrics and targets, and finally disclosure. Let's have a quick look at each of these in turn, starting with governance. What the proposed regulations in relation to governance would require trustees to do are to establish and maintain on an ongoing basis oversight of all climate-related risks and opportunities. And more importantly, I think, to establish and maintain a process by which that they can continually satisfy themselves that the persons managing the scheme are also assessing and managing that climate-related risk and opportunity. Persons managing the scheme is a fairly broad definition. It could include the trustees themselves, of course, but it can also include employer, pensions managers, others involved in the management of the scheme, and in particular, external advisors and asset management. There's a couple of issues here that trustees need to think about, uh, in particular about how far they can delegate this requirement away. Uh, it, obviously, it's going to be necessary for them to, to take views and, and use the expertise of a number of stakeholders, but it may not be as simple as just being able to decide, assign across this, this requirement to manage and report on climate-related risk. It may be a, a situation where the trustees need to think about a joint working group or a committee to kind of really help them have the right people in the right place, but they have a clear reporting line and a governance line to make sure that they're, they're able to exercise their duty. We're expecting a bit more detail on this in the statutory guidance, but trustees uh, should be aware that the legal responsibility to meet these obligations lies with them, uh, and they are going to have to describe their approach in their TCFD report. Moving on to strategy, 
the proposed requirements for trustees in the regulations require them again to identify climate-related risks and opportunities that will have effect on their investments and if it's a defined benefit scheme on the funding strategy of the scheme overall and this is going to tie in with the new legislation in the pension schemes bill on the requirement for trustees to think about that long-term funding goal for their scheme and the outcome for a defined benefit scheme so these two things are going to, are going to fit together as well as looking at the investment they're going to have to look uh, they're going to have to disclose the climate-related risks and opportunities that they've identified as the short, medium and long-term and think about how they impact their investments as well as their, their funding and liability strategy. In terms of their strategy, they're also going to have to think about transition risk, not just the physical risk of rising sea level. They're going to have to think about the legal, regulatory and technological developments that are going to be put in place to tackle climate change and how that's going to impact on their assets and investments, but also on their employer covenant. And that brings us on to scenario analysis. The trustees are going to be required to assess the resilience of their assets and liabilities and all of those strategies we've just spoken about in relation to different climate related scenarios. The defined benefit schemes is also clearly going to include consideration of the risk to the employer to the sponsor covenant, both in terms of the physical risk, but more importantly, in terms of that transitional risk we just spoke about. The proposed regulations require trustees at least every year to assess the resilience of the scheme assets, liabilities and strategy and the funding strategy in relation to DB schemes, to climate related risks in relation to at least two climate related scenarios and one of those scenarios they have to they have to assume the eventual global average temperature rise at between one and a half and two degrees so trustees are really being challenged to think about the science on climate think about how those those scenarios that are being laid out will impact on everything they're, they're deciding to do for their scheme and for their members and once they've set that scenario analysis they then have to think about the risk management and the metrics and the target the consultation on this has sort of posed some questions for trustees to start thinking about how the, broad, how the broader themes and strategy fit with their, their precise scheme. So they have to think about what climate change risks are most material to them. And they have to think about how they're going to take account of transition and physical risk in their own wider risk management programs. And they're going to have to also report and speak about how that's going to actually affect their risk appetite. Is that going to change? Or, or, or will their risk appetite increase if they, they think they can see opportunities in, in the marketplace? And trustees are going to have to produce metrics for their scheme that quantify the effect of these risks and can show how they're measuring this over time. And this will help with their governance strategy and with their TCFD reporting. So what about those disclosure requirements? TCFD reports that trustees need to produce must be accessible on the freely available website. Uh, and, they, and they also have to make sure that they notify members of the location of where it's to be found. So they can do a, you, trustees, you can do a summary of the report, uh, but you also have to be very clear where the full report is so the members can get hold of that. And trustees don't have to send the report to the pension regulator, although the regulator will clearly be aware of where it is and it starts to become a registrable fact on the scheme return. So that's a very quick outline of what's required moving through from the strategy setting into the, the more detailed reporting end of it. And it's, it's probably clear from now that trustees aren't going to be able to comply with all these new requirements on their own. They're going to, to a very large extent, need to rely on engagement for other stakeholders and particularly from their asset management. And that's why we've got Laura Hewitt with us right now. She's working with clients at the moment to support them in complying with the new sustainable finance regime. And she works a lot with asset management. And it, I think it's really helpful to get her view on some of, the, some of the challenges for asset management themselves so we can understand how the trustees can better interact uh, with their asset managers and, and try to help them comply with the regime that's coming in. So Laura, there's a, a sense that asset managers are facing a hurricane of new law and regulations. Can you talk through some of the main pressures on asset managers at the moment? Absolutely. Thank you, Jay. You're right that it's a hurricane and it feels as if we're right in the middle of the storm at the moment with the 10th of March deadline looming for the level one compliance with SFDR. Uh, and that's certainly the main pressure on, on the, the, the global pan-European houses. 
at the moment anyway. As we know, towards the end of last year, SFDR um, was officially taken out of the, the, the retained law. We, we understood that it wasn't going to be carried across, although that's what um, the asset management industry had been working towards in the UK. And so now we've got a lot of competing pressures, not just with the law and regulation, but also from a, a marketing and, and reputational perspective where a number of houses in, in the UK, particularly where they have large European ranges, and you know, are looking to, to really put themselves out there as taking sustainability seriously, are choosing to implement SFDR in any event as a, as a best practice measure. And also because they may act for European funds, they, they, they have to be implementing to a certain extent anyway. So there are a lot of pressures around that, but also a lot of market pressures coming down more from their institutional investors who are starting to look for more information, more disclosure, whether or not it's, it's required by law at the moment and, and thinking about what might happen with their particularly pension trustees um, who will be starting, as you say, to look and understand their own requirements. But there's a huge amount of uncertainty around the regulation at the moment. SFDR level two, the final report came out last week and it really has still it presents a lot of difficulty for asset managers in terms of the data that they have to collect. As you said, the trustees will have to rely to a certain extent on their asset managers, but the asset managers in turn will have to rely on the underlying companies and data providers in order to source a lot of these metrics that, that to be frank, just you know, a lot of them don't exist at the moment. So there's a huge amount of concern in the industry about where to source all of this data, and, and, and what to then do with it once once it's collated. Well, thanks, Laurie. It sounds like it's, it's quite a challenge at the moment. What what are some of those key risks to asset managers in being able to support trustee clients uh, in their disclosure obligations? Well, I, th I think I think it, because we're in the middle of everything, it's the uncertainty at the moment. You've got your consultation, and and ours will be fairly similar. I would I, I would expect. When we finally get it in terms of the approach, we, we know it's going to be TCFD based. And the difficulty really is that we are seeing really across many different jurisdictions, different approaches to disclosures and, and transparency and the, the, the type and metrics that actually have to be pulled together. And so one of, one of those key risks at the moment is just really identifying what's what's going to come um, on board for asset managers and be looking ahead and trying to see where they can pull together those differences and deal internally with their uh, data architecture and so on. There's also a timing difficulty. Everything is still very up in the air. There's a lot of planning starting, which is absolutely crucial because we expect, you know, the government has stated that they want to be, you know, centre of green finance. We expect that this will move quite quickly. But as we've seen with SFDR, it's impossible to move it very quickly because the difficulties with sourcing and getting this data and, you know, particularly with TCFD, with the scenario analysis that has to be um, conducted, that's very scientific and detailed and will be a, a real shift for what the asset managers and pension trustees have to think about. Thanks, Laura. Yes, is there anything we can speak to our trustee clients about to help them get ready, to help their asset managers get ready for this in terms of their interaction? As you were saying, it feels like they're sort of, we're both working in slightly different silos at the moment. 
And I think that I think that's right. And and what I've been saying to my asset management clients throughout the whole SFDR implementation is to reach out. Um, to to be working in silos on this is is the wrong approach. Whilst there is still so much uncertainty, it's really crucial that the the asset managers and their um, institutional investors are speaking to each other and understanding what's required. And part of that comes from the different types and the different levels of data that might be required. Asset managers are going to want to take a very consistent approach to the data that they are providing to their clients, simply because it becomes incredibly unwieldy to be um, separating out and giving lots of different types of data and metrics to, to different areas. And so to be part of that conversation early and have a, have, a, have a really good communication around what the expectations are and work towards those disclosures together, because timing will be another issue when uh, the asset managers are getting their information for their disclosure requirements may not fit entirely with when the trustees will be needing to get their data in order to fit their disclosure. So um, making sure that across the across the whole path of where that disclosure and where that information needs to flow is 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 in line is very very important um, and that that's another key risk um, that we would need to work on the final point that i would say is in terms of the verification of the data and pension trustees will have to really be thinking about how to deal with that verification and, and where uh, the liability for that lies the asset managers will be doing their own verification processes as they will need to but pension trustees should be thinking about the extent to which they can simply rely on the information that is given and the amount of their own due diligence that they will need to do to be able to be sure that the, the information they have fulfills their own requirements. Thanks very much, Laura. That's really helpful for us and for our trustee clients to, to hear where we are at the moment. As if that wasn't enough, Tasmania is going to take us through a few things that we think are going to be coming up over the next year or 18 months. Thanks, both. So what else is coming up? Well, as I I mentioned at the outset, ESG issues have risen up the agenda of governments around the world in recent times, and the policy drive to encourage institutional investors to take ESG issues into account doesn't show any sign of slowing down. Now, in terms of other developments, the government's continuing to actively consider whether pension schemes should, in the future, be required to report on the Paris alignment. And it also intends to consult in due course on the requirement for authorised super funds to undertake climate change governance and reporting, irrespective of the value of their assets under management. So those are just a couple of um, developments that we're expecting in the pipeline. Thanks very much for that, Tasmin, and thanks to Laura for your help earlier on. And thank you everyone for joining us. Coming up in the Pensions Lawcast series, we've got an episode on collective defined contribution schemes, where that's going to come out on the 7th of March. And CMS also supporting the Pensions Age Sustainable Investment Summit on the 17th of March. I'll be speaking there, along with my colleague Thibaut, about asset screening and the limits of trustee fiduciary duty. We hope to see you all soon.